Good morning, church family. I've got a couple people awake. Good morning, church family. Praise the Lord. Christ is all, isn't he? Amen. It's good to be surrounded by family. This coming week, we'll be celebrating the national holiday called Thanksgiving. A time where there will be three F's. Family, food, and you guessed it, football. Come on. What more can we ask for? Thanksgiving is a day when we wake up thankful for the many blessings God has given us. It's a day spent asking each other what we're grateful for. Being surrounded by loved ones and fellowshipping over a feast. Half of us are already ready, aren't we? It's the holiday that usually has to compete with Christmas. It's easily forgotten because people are already gearing up for their Black Friday Christmas shop. You just done, but some people already started decorating their homes and even started listening to Christmas music. Before we know it, Thanksgiving will become a lost holiday. My prayer is that as a church, Thanksgiving will not be something we celebrate once a year, but it will be a discipline of our hearts. Thanksgiving is a Christian lifestyle, not a one-day event. So let me ask you, what are you thankful for this morning? If you're anything like me, you find it easy to grumble and complain about the day-to-day circumstances. I take God's gifts for granted and find it easy to forget the work that he's doing in my life and in my heart. If we're honest with ourselves, we often complain when things don't go our way. When we don't get what we want, we complain and feel cheated. It's more easy for us to whine and grumble instead of being thankful. So how do we become a thankful people? How do we live as a grateful church? Beloved, it's by beholding the goodness of God. Meditating on his love and kindness towards us. The title for today's message is Give thanks to our good God. We'll be looking at Psalms 136 in our Bibles. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find it on page 520. And if you don't own a Bible, that Bible in a pew is a gift to you. The Psalms are made up of 150 Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers. They are divided into five different books. Each book describes the unique story of Israel's history. Psalms 136 is found in book five. It's a congregational psalm. It's a community hymn. Meaning that this psalm was read responsively. A priest or a Levite would stand up to recite the first half of the verse and the gathered congregation would respond in the refrain his steadfast love endures forever. God's Hasset. This is what we will be doing this morning. I will read the first half of each verse and you will respond with his steadfast love endures forever. God's Hasset. There's no English word that comes close to describing what this word means. The word conveys a love that cannot be broken because it's rooted in God's covenant love for us. We won't read all 26 verses at once. 
we will break them down in five different stances. There'll be four points for today's message. Point one, give thanks to God for who he is. Point two, give thanks to God for what he has done. Give thanks to God for what he's doing now, point three. And point four, give thanks to God for what he will do. The main idea for today's message is when we reflect on God's steadfast love, we will respond with giving him thanks. Let's read Psalms 136, verse 1 through 3, responsively. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Point one, give thanks to God for who he is. Verse one begins by telling us to give thanks to God for who he, because he is good. Verse two tells us to give thanks to, to the God of gods. Verse three tells us to give thanks to the Lord of lords. So right up front, three times we have the imperative to give thanks. But we're also given the reason for why we should respond in thanksgiving. Beloved, we are called to give thanks to a God that is good. We all came here to worship a God, and that God that we came to worship, he's a good God. See, growing up in church, the pastor would come up to the pulpit, and he would say, God is good. And all the time, amen. It's a simple truth with so much weight behind it. But what does it mean to say that God is good? I can say that I have a good dishwasher at home. It gets the job done. I had a good steak last night. It was delicious. But what does it mean to say that God is good? Everything that God does is good. All that God has ever done is good. Good is God's nature. He doesn't just decide to be good instead of bad. All of his attributes are who he is and they are all combined in his goodness. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Notice in verse 1 that Lord is capitalized. That's God's covenant name, Yahweh. All throughout eternity, God existed and he has always been good. His steadfast love endures forever because he is a forever God. He's eternal. The Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always existed as good, as one, fully loyal to each other, fully good, and fully God. You see, God doesn't have to go outside of himself to become good. He has goodness within himself. Have you ever experienced the goodness of God? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Is he good to you this morning? If you know God, guess what? You know his goodness. You have experienced it. So think about the things in our life that tempt us to deny God's goodness. Our circumstances. What has been causing you to grumble this week? 
Has it been your spouse? Your children? Your boss? Your co-workers? You see, we have an enemy that lies to our hearts and cease to convince us that our God isn't good. He whispers these lies into our hearts like, if God loved you, you wouldn't be struggling with that sin. He would have given you a baby by now. Why would he take your loved one away? See, why would he withhold the one thing that you want? So how can we trust in his goodness? See, our enemy, since the very beginning of time, have had a way of tempting us to doubt the goodness of God. Beloved, who will you believe today? Your circumstances or your good God? Beloved, verse 2 and 3 continue to tell us why we give thanks to God. Because he is the supreme ruler of the universe. He is the God of all gods. He is the Lord of lords. His steadfast love endures forever and his authority over the universe. We see God's loyal love for his people. We learn from the book of Job that the authority that Satan has is it, it's derived from God. There's nothing that Satan, Satan does that God doesn't have knowledge of or authority over. God's power and authority is above every other deity. He is the chief of all gods because his love and kindness is everlasting to everlasting. He is worthy of our things. He is the Lord of lords. If there are many lords, God is the Lord of them all. Within himself, he has all sovereignty and power. Give thanks to God for revealing himself through us, to, through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign ruler of the world. You see, if King Charles said to Jesus, how can you be ruler over me? I inherited the throne through my mother's death. And I am seated and installed as king of the United Kingdom. Jesus will respond. He will answer, I have my rule over you by the election of the Father. Because of my resurrection from the dead. And I'm installed at the right hand of the Father. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, God exalted him above every name. He gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. This includes every king and ruler of this earth. Jesus is alive and he's residing as king of kings and lord of lords. He told his disciples in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me to go and make disciples. And he commissioned them. He commissioned us, his church, to go and make disciples so that we can know his hased. His love and kindness is with us always, even to the end of the age. Church, let's give thanks to our good God. See, Jesus' lordship has implications for our thanksgiving. God controls who becomes king and who doesn't. The Father appoints kings and presidents on this earth through his Son. All authority belongs to our good God. So our hearts can take rest 
Our hearts can take rest assured by his sovereign rule as we give thanks to him. Give thanks to God for who he is. But let's also look back at what he has done. Let's read the next stanza together responsively. Verses four through nine. God's word says, to him alone does great wonders. To him by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. The moon and stars to rule over the night. Amen. Point two, give thanks to God for what he has done. Give thanks to God for his wonderful work of creation. God's steadfast, loyal love had been on display since the very beginning of the world. We can see it through the wonderful design of his creation. The psalmist, the psalmist takes us back to Genesis 1, where God created the heavens and the earth, where he created day and night, the sun to rule over the day and the moon to rule over the night. He placed water above and below and had fish and birds to fill and rule. He created land and vegetation. He made animals to fill and rule. But the pinnacle of God's creation is us, man and woman. He created us in his image to fill the earth and to rule under his sovereign care and rule. Beloved, creation declares the goodness of God. What's the most amazing thing you have ever seen in God's creation? And maybe it was the birth of your child or your trip to the Grand Canyon. We have all seen something in God's creation that caused our jaws to drop. All in wonder to spring up in our hearts. Beloved, when was the last time you stopped and you were amazed at God's creation? See, what we learn about God from creation is that he is worthy of thanks because of the beauty, the beauty, the unity, and the order we see in creation. Creation has a way of grabbing our attention. But it does that to point us to a bigger, greater creator. See, Psalms 19 verse 1 says it plainly, says the heaven declares the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. From every sunset to every sunrise, we see God's steadfast love on full display. The next time you stare up at the stars, beloved, be reminded of God's love for you. His hased. You see, God only had one word to say about his creation. After he created the world, he stood back and said what? That is good. It's really good. Very good. Beloved, our God is happy with what he has made. Church, because you are in Christ, God looks at you and declares, behold, you are very good. You see, in the very beginning, God made the world from who he is, his loving kindness. And we can give thanks to God for the goodness we see 
in creation. Let's read the next stanza together, verses 10 through 16. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. Beloved, not only do we look back at what God has done in creation, we look back to what he has done for our deliverance. See, verses 10 through 16 sounds familiar, doesn't it? We just finished a sermon series through the book of Exodus. That series was titled From Slavery to Glory. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and were told that God remembered his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses to set his people free and lead them towards the promised land. See, the book of Exodus is a reminder of God's steadfast love that endures forever. From Passover to the Red Sea, we see God's loyal love for his people. It's on full display. Why does God want his people to look back at the Passover? Because the Passover and Israel's deliverance from Egypt was all of God's doing. It shows clearly that it was God's power and plan that brought Israel deliverance, their salvation. God delivered his people from Egypt. It was by God's grace alone and by the Israel's faith alone that caused Israel to walk out of Egypt on dry land. The Passover proves that the Israelites couldn't save themselves. They needed something or someone to take their place. Passover shows that it's only by the blood of a righteous life that can satisfy the justice of God. See, God in his steadfast love for Israel said, when I see the blood, I will pass over it. Thank God for the blood. Beloved, this promise is, is true for us in Christ. Around 1,500 years later, the Apostle Paul declared in 1 Corinthians 5-7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. It is no longer the blood of a lamb that atones for our sins, but it's the blood of the lamb. The blood of Jesus Christ satisfies the wrath of God. If you're not a Christian here today, if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and as the Lord of your life, the Bibles have said that we have all sinned. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the consequences for that sin is death. That's the bad news. The consequences for our rebellion is separation from God. 
But the good news is that God has offered us a precious gift. We can be forgiven and set free from our debt of sin. If we turn away from our selfish pride and place our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you do that today? Will you trust him as your savior? Will you give thanks to God for the salvation we can only find in Jesus Christ? No more earning. Brother Tim told us, no more performing. We just rest in God's steadfast love that endures forever. Christian, our union with Jesus is far better than the Passover the Israelites experience. God isn't passing over us anymore. He moved in. He destroyed sin, and God's spirit is here to stay forever. His loyal love is in your hearts. Do you believe that this morning? Our understanding of what God has done is not complete until we also consider verses 17 through 22. Let's take a look at the next stanza together as we read responsibly. To him who struck down great kings. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Shihon, king of the Amorites, and all king of Bashan, and gave their land as inheritance, a heritage to Israel, his servant. God's people are reminded of God's goodness and his loyal love by how he conquered their enemies and given them the promised land. These mighty kings that we just read about are found in Numbers 21, verses 21 through 35. You may even remember in Numbers chapter 14, when the Israelites made it to the ends of the promised land, they, they uh, reported about these giants. The spies reported about these big, tall giants in these great walls in Canaan. Fear took hold of their hearts and they quickly forgot about God's promises and everything he did prior. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Take us back. You brought us out here to die. You see, the same giants that they were afraid of God struck down and gave them the land as inheritance. Beloved, what are you afraid of today? What fears are keeping you up at night? What is causing you to want to go back to your old sinful life? A life of anger and lust and greed and pride. See, God hasn't stopped caring for you. He's not against you. God is for you, church. The same God who conquered Goliath, the same God who conquered Og, he's, he's telling the Israelites that I'm with you, I'm for you. My steadfast love is here to stay. But for you, church, our battle wasn't felt in Canaan. 
Our battle was fought on the hill of Calvary. So look back at the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus conquered our two greatest enemies, sin and death. We know that God would not forsake us because Jesus was forsaken at the cross. Look back at the cross so you can move forward in faith towards Jesus. He is our prize. He is the finish line. Give thanks to our God for what he has done. The tomb is empty. The victory is won. We are fighting a battle that has already been won. So not only do we look back at what God has done, we look at what he's currently doing in our life. Let's read the next stanza responsibly, verses 23 through 25. It is he who remembered us in our lowest states and rescued us from our foes. He gives food to our flesh. Point three, give thanks to God for what he is doing now. The psalmist brings his congregation in on this discussion about God's loyal love. He said, God remembered us in our low estates. For Israel, this was most likely when they were in bondage in Egypt or Babylon. If God didn't reject us then, he won't reject us now. He remembered his people once. He will remember his people again. The psalmist is telling the Israelites to remember God's mercy because it will strengthen them today. Church, I plead with you to remember God's mercy, his loving kindness that is found in his son, Jesus Christ, for you today. I plead with you to remember God's mercy. God's loyal love reaches its climax in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, church, while we are wandering in this wilderness called life, I know it's hard. Let us never lose sight of the one who's leading us, the one who is with us, the one who is inside of us. I don't know how life looks like for you right now. It might be green pastures for some or the darkest valleys for others. But we can find hope and joy knowing that if God remembered us in the past, he will remember us today. Church, what was our lowest state? Ephesians 2 tells us that we were all dead in our sins and our trespasses. That's where we were. We were following the course of this world. We were following the prince of darkness. We were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But then God, for Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, that says, but God being rich in mercy. He's rich in steadfast love. See, while we were dead, Christ died for us. He made us alive in Christ. Jesus gave us eternal life. You see, without God's covenant love, there's only death. And if God did that for us in the past, how will he not also give us all things? Beloved, how do we know that God will remember us today? Because Jesus remembered you at the cross. He rescued you from your foes, from our enemies. Who are your enemies? 
It's not your spouse. It's not your children. It's not your boss. It's not the government. We do not battle against flesh and blood, do we? But the spiritual forces of evil. We know that even today, we will, he will keep rescuing you from your foes. So church, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his loyal love. Put on Christ, the power of God's covenant love that's inside of you. It will allow us to face any suffering, any temptation, any sorrow, any pain. The same God who is the Lord of lords, the creator of the world, who delivered us from bondage and conquered all of our enemies, he remembers you. He remembers us in our lowliness and rescue us from our adversaries and he feeds all flesh. Verse 25. God gives food to all flesh. Let that sink in. We serve a God that cares for all of his creation. The same God from the past is the same God we have today. Israel needed to be reminded of this and so do we, church. God's steadfast love doesn't just benefit his people. It benefits the whole world, everyone. Jesus said that God causes his son to rise on the evil and, and God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. How can we apply this truth to our lives today? We can thank God for the common graces of life. When was the last time you thanked God for good sleep? for running water, for food in your fridge, your job, the people you care about. See, another way that we can apply this truth is by trusting that you do not have to be anxious. See, Jesus offers us a better way. He reminds us to look at the birds. They work hard for everything. They're not lazy, but they don't have to worry. They work from faith that they will receive enough for today. Is that you this morning? We fight fear and anxiety not by looking at ourselves, but by looking at Jesus, our provider. You see, even in our trials, we can give thanks. Do you know that? Not for our frustrations, but because we have a good God who is with us. He is working all things out for our good and for his glory. This is why Paul can command the church of Thessalonica that to give thanks in all circumstances. Really, Paul, in all circumstances? Even when life is hard and tragic? Yup, we can give thanks. Not because we are grateful for what is happening, but because we have a good God that we can trust. The Christian author Melissa, Melissa Kruger said this. She said, the bedrock of our rejoicing isn't the goodness of our day, but it's the goodness of our God. We can trust that, that he will bring light out of darkness. We can trust that he's collecting all of our tears. Not one tear is wasted. Thank God that the trial you're going through didn't take him by surprise. God remains sovereign and he loves you. See, being surrounded with the steadfast love of the Lord allows us to live at rest, knowing that God will provide all of our needs according to the riches of his grace. You see, the only thing that's left for us to do is to give him thanks. Verse 
You see, this Thanksgiving, Christian and non-Christian can give thanks to a God that provides. The food around the table is a gift from God. Yes, you can argue and say that you worked hard for it. You put it there. But who gave you the strength? The very life to work and make food we consume every day. Is it not Jehovah Jireh? You see, this simple truth reflects God's love and is a reason for us to give him thanks. See, if all these ways won't work, the psalmist gives us one last consideration as why we can give thanks to our good God. Point four, give thanks to God for what he will do. One last time, nice and loud, Psalms 136 verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven. There it is. We have said it 26 times. Is it down deep in your heart? That God's steadfast love endures forever? You see, God, by his very nature, he would stay committed to his people, to his church. Not just today, but forevermore. His commitment to loving you would never run out. You see, being in Christ places us in a home where we are forever loved. Where the goodness and mercy of God will follow us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you believe that? See, God's steadfast love for you is forever. You see, the good news for every Christian today is that we get to spend eternity with a God of great loyal love. You see, there'll be a day when we'll be all around the throne of God, of God's, and the Lord of Lords. We'll be surrounded. We'll be surrounding his throne. And we will see him face to face. You long for that day? There'll be no more grumbling, no more complaining, no more frustrations. There'll be a day when there'll be no more need of the sun because the glory of Jesus Christ will shine forth. There'll be a day when we won't need deliverance from our enemies and we won't be wandering in the wilderness. There'll be no more wars and no more conflict, no more tears and death will be no more. There will be a day when we enter into great rest in the land promised to us by our Savior. We will sit around the table and feast on the food given to us by our king. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Father God, you are a good God. And earnestly do we seek you. God, our soul longs for you. Our flesh learns for you. We need you. God, I pray for those here today who don't know you, who have not tasted and seen that you are good. I pray that your goodness would chase after them. I pray that your goodness will soften their hearts. I pray that your goodness will lead them to repentance, that they will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who is the God of all gods and the Lord of lords. I pray that they would know right now with confident assurance 
that their sins are forgiven, that they have a right relationship with God and a new heart from above. God, I thank you for your people. God, I am grateful for my church family. God, I pray that you'll allow them to hold fast, to cling to your loyal love. Whether they're in the green pasture or in the darkest valley, help them to know that you will never leave or forsake and that your love is better than life. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.